Um, I want to preach a message called Egypt again. And yes, we put a question mark on the teleprompter on purpose. It was intentional. Um, this is the kind of the bittersweet Sunday, right? It's the, um, there's no more food parties to go to. Like the next meal in my head is people asking me, hey, do you want, do you want cabbage and greens and peas for, for the first day of the year? I'm like, yes, yummy. And I actually do love cabbage. Um, and then, and if, if I put enough pepper sauce on greens, I can eat anything green. You know what I'm saying? So it's really not that bad. But I'm kind of a meat guy. I'm like, what about an esteca? You know, <laughs> maybe some pork mixed into those peas. Or, you know, something special. But, but the, the in-between, it's, um, you know, I'm so looking forward to taking all those Christmas lights down. Yay. Right? And putting them, putting them back into the box. And, and, and about 17 trips up in the attic. While my wife and children, they help me with like the first two. And then they get distracted. And all of a sudden I yell down and nobody's there. And, uh, and now I'm doing this okay. So, and and at, at some point, by about the 15th box, you just kind of chunk it and hope nothing breaks. You know? it's, the, it's the after Christmas overhaul. It's the, all right, let's put all these boxes in the car and strap the kids to the top. We've got to drive three and a half hours, and we don't know how we're going to get this stuff home. Maybe we should call U-Haul. It's the, uh, no more presents under the tree. I realized this year I had reached a new season of life. Um, You know, as a child, I loved every Christmas party. It was like, it didn't matter how much I got, I'd pile it up, I'd push it to the side, What's next? Where are we going next? As an adult, I'm like, whoa, there's another one? Like, we got to go somewhere else. Yeah, but they're going to give you, I don't care about gifts. I just want to sit down. I, I want to not minister to a child that didn't get what they want. That's just, can we just stay? Can we go hunt? Is there a party in the deer stand? Let's make one. Come on, somebody. You know, what is, what, this is, this is my Christmas. Um, changing the decor back to the things that we just took down. And putting all the nutcrackers carefully back in a box so that they're not broken. And uh, my favorite, getting that Christmas tree back into that box. It came out of this box. Why will it not go back into this box? The guys in the factory are not more gifted at Christmas tree packing than I am. This tree is going back in this box. And I will use seven rolls of duct tape if I have to. Anybody have the box that's fallen apart, but for some reason we still stuff the tree in the box and wrap it up just to open it up again next year. You know what I'm saying. It's the aftermath. Um, Scripture actually tells a story of what happened after Christmas. That's what I want to go into today. If you will, turn with me. In your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Matthew 2, verse 13. Uh, The Bible says in verse 13 that after the wise men were gone. See, these guys were smart. They left before the packing. They knew it was coming. They got out of there. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, this has happened before, so the angel didn't lead with uh, fear not. 
The angel woke Joseph up like my grandfather. He turned on the lights, he pulled off the cover, and he yelled, Get up! I just woke somebody up right there. And you're back with me now. The Bible says, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Happy New Year, Joseph. Verse 14, that night, please acknowledge the immediate obedience of Joseph. There was no delay in his obedience. There was no, maybe I just ate some bad food in that dream obedience. Maybe There was no, man, I wonder if that was really God or if the devil wants me to do something holy all of a sudden. Okay, there was immediate obedience to the command. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with a child and Mary, his mother. Verse 15, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Let me pray over you before we go any further. Father, I pray that this would be a rhema word for somebody in the sanctuary right now. God, I pray for somebody watching online, live or later, that this would be an on-time message. We pray this often, but I just sense specifically in my spirit this morning, in a segue Sunday, the in-between, the Christmas season and the new year, Lord, I, I, I pray that today you would use me to say something specific to someone. God, that we would not just be a group of people right now, but that we would become, even in our own minds, individual children. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, to speak to us as your children and as your potential children. God, open up your word to us today and help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Write this down. Number one, Egypt is inevitable. Egypt is inevitable. I, I, think about this man named Joseph. Not like the Old Testament character Joseph, but, but the, the earthly father of Jesus, Joseph. This guy, predominantly, according to scholars, was the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. Okay, so this guy Joseph, he should have been the king of Israel. But instead, he was the carpenter of Nazareth. Now, no offense whatsoever to carpenters in small towns. None, okay? In fact, I, I, I sometimes envy you because I have a negative gift in carpentry. Like, it's not even... I'm not even like okay at it. Like I make things worse than they already were. Like I don't look at things when they break and go, oh, I can fix that. I look at things when they break and think, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Or it's going to stay that way for a really long time. Right? So those are, that's how I view carpentry. So I'm not taking shots at the carpenter. But any carpenter would tell you if they had a choice between carpentry in a small town or a throne in a kingdom, they would probably take the throne, right, in the kingdom. 
And Joseph had to have, it, it's not absolute, but it's very probable that if Matthew knew his genealogy and Luke knew his genealogy, then Joseph probably understood that he was supposed to be a king, but he was working as a blue-collar carpenter. In all of that, in the midst of this, he's thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a carpenter in a small town. That's, that's what I am. That, that is, that's what God's called me to be. And, and he, he meets this young lady, and I don't know if she's pretty or humble or if she just had a good personality. Maybe she's gorgeous. I don't know. But he, he, he's engaged to her. And she becomes pregnant. Like, this is the hand he's dealt. There's got to be some angst in Joseph. Like, man, it just seems like every time I get ahead, I fall way back down again. And, and understand, just those two things I've mentioned, they had nothing to do with something he's done wrong. Like, he hasn't done anything to not deserve the throne. His ancestors did. He hasn't done anything to have uh, a bride-to-be that comes up pregnant. And yet he has so much integrity, the Bible says, that instead of shaming her, he has just decided, he's determined to, to set her aside privately. Because he does not want her to be publicly ashamed. Well, then an angel of the Lord comes and visits him and, and says, fear not. Take Mary as your wife. And, and so he's obedient. But listen to the integrity that he has, the character of this man. The Bible says, so he took her as his wife, but he did not know her until after the baby was born. I mean, we live in a society that can't keep their hands off of one another before they're married. And they can't keep their hands off of other people when they are married. This guy was married. Like, he reserved the right. And yet, just out of integrity and purity, he was so obedient to God that he decided to wait for her and with her. This was who he was. This guy was supposedly the earthly father of the Prince of Peace. But he wasn't experiencing much peace. Everything that he had done. Think about it. He marries her. There's a census. Put her on a donkey and travel 80 miles. Go back to Bethlehem. But isn't it interesting. That if he were not obedient every step of the way. He would have missed out on the prophecy. That God had already made a way. If we look at verse 16, the Bible says Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. Guys, that's hilarious. Just as a side note. Like, I read stuff like that and it stops. Because I remember that God gave me the sense of humor. And he has to have one too. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. What did he think they were going to do? Did he think that they were going to all of a sudden become dumb men and do whatever he wanted them to? All right, so let's keep reading. That's just how I read scripture. I'll, Jesus is okay with me enjoying his word, okay? So this is what it continues. He says he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. 
Okay, now I want you to assume that you're Mary. And you were just obedient to God's will and God's plan. And the glory of God was just singing with all the angels surrounding you as you laid your baby in a manger. And now these wise men have come and they've brought gifts. But now, in your obedience, it's taken a turn. And you know that your obedience to God is causing the mass murder of other people's children. She carries that weight. It's tough when your obedience to God ends up costing you something. And you look around and you understand that if I would have just been disobedient, I wouldn't be going through this. If, if I would just go live like everybody else, then this wouldn't be happening to me right now. Why doesn't, why doesn't it happen to them? Do you not see them? They're not even living for you. They have everything. They have everything's good. See, the enemy wants you to believe the lie that just because you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be sunshine and 70 degrees for the rest of your life. But it's not true. In fact, sometimes your obedience will cost you more than your disobedience would have. Based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance, verse 17, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 18, a cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Hear me, listen. Emmanuel did not come so that we could be kept happy. He came so that we could be made holy. God is way more interested in our holiness than he is our happiness. And when we are obedient to him, sometimes we look around and wonder if it wouldn't have just been easier to be like everybody else instead of continuing to be like Jesus. Egypt is inevitable. It's like conflict. If you're not in it, it's coming. And who you are is not based on whether you go through it. It's based on how you respond to Jesus when you go through it. Egypt is inevitable. But number two, Egypt is not eternal. Remember Joseph, he's, he's likely, not, not absolutely, but he's likely familiar with the history. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, hey, go to Egypt. Okay, he's got to remember. It's very likely that even just this carpenter from Nazareth was familiar with the Exodus story. And 400 years of slavery from the Egyptians over the Israelites. And yet you don't see any conversation. The Bible says that night he took his family to the place that his people had formerly been delivered. Why? Because there are times when God will send you back to the places that you used to be just to do something different than what used to be done. He will send you, the person that nobody expected, to show back up transformed 
in obedience to God and his plan just so he can reveal and show that if they would have been obedient or if they will be obedient, then I can have my way in their life too. Life happens. And life happens in seasons. Life happens in circumstances. We are fallen people in a fallen world. And just because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we're not going to go through some chaos. It means that he will be with us when we do. And Egypt is not eternal. See, if we're not careful, we will teach our children to only be strong in their faith when they find his favor. But our faith is not found in his favor. His favor is found in our faith. That's who he is. And walking through life and continuing to be obedient to God, no matter how things turn out, is what makes or breaks the true believer. And I do believe that we are in a day of sifting. I do believe that we are in a time where faith will be tried and will be tested and only the true church will be left standing. Only the ones who understand this is not eternal. Egypt is not eternal. I'll go anywhere with anyone and do anything as long as I can take Jesus with me. I'll be obedient. We have to be careful not to raise what I would call another Disney generation. See, I've been called a lot of things. Not like what you're thinking. I've been called several different generations. I think at one point I was generation X. And then I was the iGen generation. And now the years have been shifted backwards and I, for somehow, somehow, 1984 ended up as a millennial. I rebuke that shift in Jesus. I am not a millennial. I never was until they decided to move the... No offense to the millennials. I love you guys. Okay? I do. But I'm not like you. I watched things on VHS and held my grandmother's corded telephone. You don't know what that means to have to get up and change the channel with your hand. I am not a millennial. Okay? You don't understand what it means to be in a home and not be able to watch what you want to. You don't get it, okay? You don't understand what it was like to see cell phones go from this to this and back to this again. You don't get it. I'm not, I'm not a millennial. You don't understand what it means to ride in the back seat of a Ford Astro van laid down with a Magnavox VHS plugged into a cigarette lighter. Why is there a cigarette lighter in the back of a van? <laughs> like, do people just plan trips? Like, okay, you drive the first half, I'm going to be back here smoking it up, <laughs> laid back on the back seat. Get us there safely. Try not to inhale anything from the back. Keep us on the road, friend. You don't understand the danger of laying on the floor while the magna box. And by the way, we didn't have flat screens. We didn't even have big flat screens. We had round screens. Magnavox rolled, y'all. So when you hit the brakes, 
if somebody was on the floor, all you had time to say is, watch out! Lion King was on its way to the side of your head. We measured the distance of a trip in how many Disney movies it took for us to watch before we finally got there. How much further? What part of the movie is it? That was the response. If you survived that trip, then you knew that the Lord had charged his angels over you to get you there safely. I am the product of a Disney generation. In other words, I was convinced by what I watched to only believe in fairy tales. And we raised a generation to believe that there was a prince charming for everyone. And that there was a sleeping beauty in the top of every tower if you would just fight hard enough to gain her hand. We raised a generation to believe that if you worked hard enough, you could accomplish anything. And it's simply not true. Listen to me, sweetheart. You're not waiting on Prince Charming. The Prince of Peace already came. You connect to him and he'll reveal to you who else he may have for you. Your singleness is not a curse. It's a calling. That's what God has for you. But we are raised to assume that our identity is tied to what we accomplish. We are raised and trained in this society. And I'm not talking about my parents doing a bad job. I'm talking about a culture that convinced us to believe that our success should determine our strength. But I'm here to tell you that that is a confusion from the author of chaos. See, the truth is, you can work as hard as you want to. Sometimes there are other people that are just better than you. Sometimes there are just other people that are more gifted in that area than you. And you should be discovering your purpose as God designed you and let them go to that place that God designed them. See, sometimes you can work as hard as you want to and get sick. Sometimes you can work hard as you want to, and your daddy isn't in position to get you that opportunity. Sometimes you can work as hard as you want to, and somebody can cheat you out of the opportunity that you thought you were supposed to have. And you will not be known by whether you receive that position. You will be known by how you handle not receiving that position. And I don't want to raise a generation of children that think that they can only believe in God. In fact, their faith is only as strong as their success. I don't know. It's not even really faith until it's tested. And my child's faith in Jesus' name should have nothing to do with what he does or does not use them to accomplish. Egypt is not eternal. See, secular salvation tells you that you should climb every mountain, travel the world, make all the money, have the most materials, because that's your identity. But scripture tells us the exact opposite. 
So in this day and age, where, by the way, all of those things were stripped away in an instant, and we realized that we shouldn't be putting our faith in things that can be taken away, because those things are temporary, like Egypt. We should be putting our faith in the one who never changes and can never leave us and never forsake us because he already made a promise not to. So I don't say work hard and accomplish whatever you can. I say follow Jesus and accomplish his will for your life. And that is truly all that matters. Am I following him? Why? Because Egypt is not eternal. So here's some very helpful questions as we close 2020. And from the Gregorian calendar standpoint, we begin to open up a new year. I think I should ask myself, and you should ask yourself, am I living as a child of God or a child of America? Am I raising children of God or am I raising children of America? Am I teaching them to follow Jesus anywhere through anything or am I training them to be successful according to the American dream? Because the church is being sifted. Am I a son of salvation that will go anywhere for God, stay obedient even when it doesn't work out or am I actually just a slave of the society in which I live? Maybe I'm not in bondage because of forced oppression. But you can be a slave subconsciously without even realizing it. Am I striving to be a Christian or an American? And here's a litmus test. Does your purpose change according to politics? Does your purpose change according to policies? Do you draw hard lines between red and blue? So much to the fact that you can't even reach people with the gospel if they don't agree with your politics. Those are hard lines. That's how you know whether you're a Christian or whether you're an American. Guys, I, I'm all for patriotism. But I'm not for patriotism at the sake of somebody's soul. We cannot confuse biblical Christianity with American patriotism and call them the same. I believe that one should inspire the other. But it should never cause a division in our opportunity to reach people who disagree with us. Guys, hear me, listen, that's the only reason we're still here. Because it is the will of God that none should perish. Even if they voted for the other candidate. It is the will of God that none should perish. Even if they disagree with your ideology on taxes. So, as a southerner. When they begin to tax bullets instead of alcohol and nicotine, which are really causing, in my opinion, more problems. When as a believer, when as a believer, there is a legalization and protection of sodomy and transgenderism. 
as there was in the 60s, pornography and other sexually illicit aspects of society. When policies are passed and implemented to protect grown individuals more than innocent individuals. How will I respond? When the darkness comes in at its deepest ability, will I respond the same way as the darkness when I find out that the woman that I loved is pregnant and it wasn't me? How will I respond? Will I act just like everybody else that has no integrity and character and their faith is really only based on his favor? That when the world comes against me, I question God himself. And listen, I'm not preaching at you. These are my convictions I'm sharing with you today. Listen, when everything around us gets the darkest, here's what you can know. Your redemption draweth nigh. And you don't want to leave anybody here. You know what 2020 should do for the church? 2020 should give the church a holy anticipation. When the world starts falling apart, the believers should start looking around to see who they can take with them, not watch go down because they're not with them. 2020, one world government, one world currency. Guys, the world's not going to fall apart. It's going to burn. I've already read it. I can't believe everything but revelation and then get upset whenever something starts coming to pass. So will I be obedient unto the fulfillment of prophecy? Or will I just act like everybody else and only get upset by the same things that they get upset because of? Now, I'm not saying it's not a challenge. I get upset too. I don't like liars. I don't like cheaters. I don't like manipulators. And by the way, those things aren't reserved for one party or one color. Anybody that doesn't believe in Jesus will do anything to get ahead of the people that do. And get ahead of anybody that doesn't. Because when you're not fighting for him, the only thing left to fight for is yourself. Which is, by the way, the original sin. I can know and I can believe as we go into this next series next week, we're going to evaluate some of the habits that affect our habitat that ultimately I believe can affect what happens for and through us personally. And I know this, that according to physics... Every action requires an equal and opposite reaction. So here's what I'm saying. Everything that happened in 2020 physically requires an equal and opposite reaction spiritually in 2021. Everything that's happening in the world is going to require an equal and yet opposite reaction in the heavens. The question is, which action will I be a part of? See, if things didn't happen, then we would have just stayed in our complacency and continued to call it Christianity. But now, the truth is beginning to sift. Verse 19, 
says when Herod died, because Egypt is not eternal. Oppression is not eternal. Persecution is not eternal. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. <laughs> if I were Joseph, I would start asking the Lord for things in the afternoon. Like, hey God, before I go to bed tonight, do you have anything else to say? Apparently Joseph is still learning this lesson. And in the middle of the night, this is when the angel of the Lord decides to visit him. Again, he says, get up. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. They're gone. Write this down. Number three, we'll land this plane. Egypt had a purpose. Persecution has a purpose. Trials and tribulations have a purpose. They may not make any sense on earth. But if we can get heaven's perspective, God can reveal purpose even through the worst of problems. Even through the worst of pains. Egypt? Again? God, you want me to go to Egypt? Uh, I've read the stories of what happened to the Israelites the last time they were in Egypt. I don't know if that's a great idea. Egypt had a purpose. I believe we have a purpose. I believe you have a purpose. But I believe that your purpose will only be found in your obedience. And I believe that one of the best ways to get on track with Jesus is to fast and pray. Did you know that biblically you're supposed to run before you walk? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So fasting will disconnect you from the things that you're putting your faith in. Fasting television. I'm going to help somebody. Fasting social media. Do you realize how much anxiety you will save yourself from? If you will just stop engulfing yourself in things that are temporary. Just fasting it. When we talk about fasting and praying, I get really anxious because I like to eat. I like, listen, I'm telling you, you don't like to eat more than me. Nobody in here. And if you don't believe that, you just ask anybody that knows me. Y'all, I like to eat. I hate fasting. As soon as Christmas is over with, I get anxiety about 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I'm the one that calls it. Like, all I got to do is say no. Not doing it this year. We're going to eat steak every day in Jesus' name. 21 days. 21 days of red meat only. See, what's funny is you need to fast what you can fulfill. You don't need to try to take off with bread and water for 21 days. You're not Jesus. Okay? If you've never fasted before, ever, here's what we recommend. One food and one entertainment. Like whatever you go to the most throughout the day. My first year, I fasted. I felt like the Lord said, I want you to fast meat. Megan and I, I think we were engaged at the time. If not, we were really close to being engaged. We were like on the way there. We weren't married yet. I know that. And I, the Lord told me to fast meat. Lord told, told, turd, sorry. The Lord told, 
You're welcome, comic relief. It's okay to have fun as a Christian. The Lord told her to fast bread. Bread is carbs, baby. In every culture. So, <laughs> so, so we go to dinner. And she's eating meat. And I'm eating bread. Y'all, I about put Taco Bell's cheesy bean and rice burrito out of business that week. I, we were sitting beside each other. We were engaged. We were, we were engaged to be married or really close to being engaged. I wasn't even lusting after her. I was looking right at her food. I was like, I never wanted you, your food so bad in my life. <laughs> one, one food, one cultural. But if you just fast food, that's just a diet. See? Fasting disconnects you from the world. And praying and reading God's word and worshiping on your own, see, that reconnects you with God. That's why we start the year out with it. Because I want you to be closer to Jesus this year than you've ever been before. Because I don't know what's coming. But you weren't created for this. You were created for Him. And He's the same. And your purpose remains. Watch this. Verse 21. The Bible says, So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus. God, send me wherever you want me to go. I have a hard time praying for specific candidates to win elections. This is my personal, okay? Hang in here with me. Because I'm not sure that God's not ready to do something different sometimes. And so I pray for the candidates and the policies and the people that I feel like I'm supposed to pray for. But then in the middle of that prayer, I always pray, God... Don't let my prayer get in your way. You have your will. Let your kingdom come. God, I trust you. I trust you. I'm scared, but I trust you. I'm worried, but I trust you. I'm concerned about what I see, but I trust what I can't see. And I know that you're still working. My prayer is to become like the psalmist. Though I make my bed in Sheol. You're there. Do what you have to do, Lord, but take not your Holy Spirit from me. Put in place whomever, whatever you have to put in place. I know it's coming. I've already read it. But take not your Holy Spirit from me. Let whatever pass come to pass. But God, don't send me out alone. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. As the darkness presses in, God, please let your light shine. Don't let me mess this up. I just want to know you. If I don't get anything else right with my babies, take not your Holy Spirit. Let them see Jesus in me.
Whatever I have to lose, whatever I have to give up, wherever I have to go. And I pray that this isn't even tested. But if you'll just let me go with Jesus, I'd rather be with him than have what I want. Egypt has a purpose. It protected the people of God. It prepared them for the plan of God. See, they needed to spend a couple of years in Egypt and be around a lot of people that didn't accept them because they were about to go back to the people that was supposed to accept them and still be rejected. Egypt was preparation. Egypt was protection. Watch. Watch what it says. Verse 22. When he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus. He was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, God, would you please speak to me before I go to sleep? But after being warned in a dream, he moved to the region of Galilee, verse 23. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. So I ask, if you could just know that your obedience was the fulfillment of prophecy, wouldn't it make it easier to just do what God says? Wouldn't it make it easier to just be obedient? If you could see what God has for you in your marriage, if you could see what God has for you in your friendships, if you could see what God has for you and the friends that you haven't even made yet. If you could just see the redemption that God is going to use you to bring to pass. You wouldn't even question obedience. If you could see the prayers of incense arising into the nostrils of the Father as he breathes in the essence of your obedience, then you would understand that you need Jesus more than you need anything else. And God, I'll trust your plan as long as I walk in your purpose. See, you run and not grow weary because sometimes we got to catch up. Sometimes we began to drift away from Jesus and he kept walking. And we wait on the Lord and all of a sudden we find ourselves covering ground that we wouldn't have covered otherwise. So that we can walk and not grow faint. Step by step with our Savior once again. He fulfilled the prophecy. He was just obedient. Can you imagine when Joseph got to heaven... Well, that didn't work out well. I mean, we don't even hear about this guy again. Where is he at the cross? He didn't even make it. Or did he? Was he watching with the Father and the angels? As his act of obedience became the act of salvation for all mankind. See, if you could see what your obedience fulfilled it would be much easier to continue 
in obedience. Joseph had dreams and heard the voice of angels, but my friend, I'm telling you, we have the voice of God's Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. So let he who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is speaking. So I ask this question for from what has God possibly been protecting me? But then I want you to ask him this question. For what, God, are you preparing me? For what are you preparing me? What can I fast? For what can I pray? What are you preparing me that goes way beyond the temporary? In this transitional segue Sunday where we're exhausted because of what we did to ourselves over the last few days. God, what do you have on the way? Final thing I'll say, I'll pray over you. I've learned that when I trust God, when I obey God, then I can trust and even when I start to get upset about what's going on and what's happening and who's doing what and wondering why they did it, Lord, I trust you. I don't like it. I can't even sense your presence in this, but I trust you. I trust you. Man, if I could raise some children to trust God, even when Prince Charming ends up being an evil spirit if I could raise some children to trust God even when the purpose comes through pain if I could raise a church whoo, to, to impact the city and the surrounding areas to see eternity's purpose for 2021 what would God be able to accomplish would you bow your head and close your eyes I want to invite you to pray not just listen to me Lord help me to praise you when you're protecting me from things that I can't see Lord help me to praise you when something that irritated me could have been what took me out the next time if I wouldn't have been irritated by it this time. Lord, help me to praise you when I've been obedient. But it seems like it's not working out for me. Lord, help me to see from your perspective. Come on, you pray. Don't just listen to me pray. Ask God to show you what he's preparing you for. Ask God to show you what he's calling you to. Ask God to reveal to you what he's calling you from. What he wants you to lay down so that you can lean in. What he wants you to disconnect for 21 days so that you can reconnect to him and his spirit in a brand new way. Lord, don't just reveal yourself to a church. Reveal yourself to the people in the church. The people of the church. 
whether they're here or they're watching online, make your presence known. I want to invite every follower of Jesus to begin to pray for anybody this morning who may not be living for God, who may not be following Him, who may have never surrendered, or maybe they did at one time and they've stopped or they've, they've drifted back. Listen, if God is calling you back today, if the Father is stirring in you to receive Him for the first time or for the first time in a long time, if you know that that's you, I want to invite you right now, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, maybe you're listening in your car, I want to invite you to just posture yourself in a position to receive. You might want to pull over. Open your hands in your lap as if God is handing you a gift. As if you're receiving the offering that Jesus came to make. Not to keep you happy, but to make you holy in Him. Church, I want to invite you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to commit or really commit their life to Jesus today would have the confidence to pray out loud. Come on, if you're listening in live or later, you pray this with us. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Come on, say it with me. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short. I've been distracted, discouraged, even disobedient. I believe you gave your life so I could live. You died on a cross. You paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead. So I could be born again, made new, like you. So I will follow you. I will obey. I will trust. I surrender all to you right now. Go with me. Be with me. Take my heart. Take my life and make it yours. Use me to impact eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?